Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. The hymn which ends the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. And so we make our confession to God and hear his words of forgiveness. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven and to bring us to eternal life. We say together, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, Forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty Father, whose Son was revealed in majesty before he suffered death upon the cross, give us grace to perceive his glory, that we may be strengthened to suffer with him and be changed into his likeness from glory to glory, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 4, beginning at verse 3. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves... We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for God's sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Today's gospel story is from Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 2. Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. 
Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them any more but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. I came across a video earlier this week made by an American comedian and radio presenter called Tommy Edison, in which he challenged people, ordinary passers-by at a conference he happened to be attending, to describe colours to him. The twist in the story is that Tommy Edison was born totally blind, so he's never actually seen colours. It wasn't something he felt he was missing because he'd never known it, but he wanted to try to understand what colour meant to those who could see it. Because we so often use the language of colour metaphorically. We see red, or feel blue, or we spot the green shoots of recovery. The people he questioned had a good stab at describing the colours they saw around them. Red is a colour that stands out, said one, a strong colour. We use it for things we want people to notice, like fire engines. Green is the colour of leaves, of growing things, the colour of spring, said another. But it was clearly a struggle. And however hard they tried, Edison's interviewees knew, and so did Edison, that they'd never be able fully to convey what redness or blueness or greenness are. Colours are something we have to experience, and it's not an experience we can pass on in words to someone who hasn't had it. There's a word for that sort of experience. It's the word ineffable. Something is called ineffable if it's beyond human power to communicate, to pin down, to explain to someone else. It's something that can't be described, however clever we are, or however clever the person we're talking to is, it can only be experienced. Colour, although it's all around us, is ineffable. But it's not the only ineffable thing we encounter on a regular basis. Love is ineffable too. We can talk about the effect it has on us. We can talk about the people we love and what it is we love about them. But no one's ever really been able to define love or capture it in words for those who haven't known it. Grief can be ineffable as well. How do you feel, says the TV interviewer to just about anyone who's dealing with some great tragedy. The interviewee stumbles to produce some words, often clichés, but anyone who has suffered great grief will know that it's stranger than anything you can put into a soundbite. It's subtler, more different, unexpected, and ultimately a mystery. Jesus' closest disciples, Peter, James and John, have an experience which is ineffable in today's Gospel story. They see Jesus shining with the glory of God, flanked by Moses and Elijah talking to him. They've absolutely no idea what's happening or why. Peter did not know what to say, the story tells us. Unfortunately, though, by this point, he has already said something. Rabbi, let us make three dwellings. But it's only after he's opened his mouth and the words have come pouring out that he realises he doesn't know what he's talking about. We've probably all been there, 
discovering we're spouting nonsense but too late to stop ourselves. That's the danger with ineffable things. We try to make them effable, to say something, anything, just to fill the silence. But in doing so, we almost always miss the mark and we reduce that huge and complex experience to something banal, like that crass question from the TV interviewer about grief. What is there to say that can ever do justice to the biggest feelings we have? Often it's better just to sit in silence with someone, to sit in silence with ourselves, to acknowledge that we haven't got the words, and that perhaps words aren't all they're cracked up to be anyway. To let the experience just be what it is, something to be pondered, but not pinned down. Perhaps that's why Jesus tells the disciples not to tell anyone about what's happened on the mountain, because he knows that anything they can say, at this stage at least, is likely to be so wide of the mark as to be worthless. The transfiguration will always be mysterious, of course, but it would have been even harder to understand it at the time, before the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. The disciples need to go through those events to even begin to understand this one. They need to discover that God's glory isn't just found in shining light on a mountain top, but in a man dying a humiliating death on a cross. They need to discover that God's Son is beloved then too, because that will help them to understand that they're beloved as much in suffering and failure as they are when all is going well. The story of the Transfiguration is always set as the Gospel story for this particular Sunday in the Church's year, the last Sunday before Lent. Lent is a time when we often try to take ourselves in hand, try a bit harder in our Christian lives, give something up or take something up, do something differently. But ultimately, it's not really about that. It's about making space for God to come to us in our need and to acknowledge that we can't do this by ourselves. This Lent, we're going to be looking as a church in our Lent course, at a set of statements that are called the Five Marks of Mission. They were devised some 40 years ago to help churches ponder whether they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's just as helpful a list for us as individuals too. Those five marks can be summarised by five words, conveniently all starting with a T. The first one is tell, proclaiming the good news of Jesus. The second is teach, helping people to understand and deepen their faith. The third is tend, caring for those around us. The fourth is transform, challenging injustice. And the fifth is treasure, caring for God's creation. We're going to be unpacking those marks of mission together to see what they mean to us and how we see them at work, I'm hoping we do, in the life of Seal Church. But there's a danger in these five marks of mission. And that's why I like to give a health warning before we even start, because they are all about what we do. They're very active, and unless we're very careful, they can lead us to think that living God's way 
is just a matter of us endlessly trying harder and doing more. And we can finish up like Peter, rushing to knock up shelters for those heavenly visitors, but missing the things that need to come first, listening, pondering, becoming aware for ourselves of the ineffable love of God. And that's why in the course that I've written, as we think about each of those marks of mission, the things we can do, we'll also be thinking about the things we first need to receive and to experience in order to do them. We can't tell our stories of faith if we haven't first heard them and understood what they mean to us and heard the stories of others who bring God's good news to us too. We can't teach our faith if we aren't also constantly learning and exploring it. We can't tend to others' needs safely if we don't let God and those around us tend to us and care for us. We can't transform unjust situations if we aren't being transformed and challenged ourselves. We can't treasure God's creation unless we know that we're a part of it, treasured creatures too. Like all those other ineffable things, God's love can only in the end be experienced, never fully captured in words. But we can't go to a mountaintop in Galilee to see Christ shining in glory, and we certainly can't take others there. All we can do is to hope that we and others might get a glimpse of that glory in the one who has shone in our hearts, as Paul puts it. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him, says God to those gobsmacked disciples. This Lent we are called before we do anything else, to do the same, to listen, to ponder, and to let God be God. Amen. And so as we bring our prayers to God, we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God, and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen.